The best ball fantasy football season is alive. Who should you target and who should you avoid? Plus, how did the latest free agency moves affect the fantasy football landscape? All this and more on tonight's In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check his stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the chest, sweet sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they seen every play, so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do, I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line. fantasy football podcast all right all right all right it is march 21st 2023 baby fantasy drafts are rolling as we put the pieces together following nfl free agency We'll certainly chat all about that. We'll certainly chat about the best ball drafts happening now and how we can take advantage of some of these uh, maneuvering ADPs right now. Seth Wilcock back here with clear eyes and full heart. And I'm joined by a man who is a John Elway aggregator, an Aaron Rodgers media pundit, the one and only Nate Polvote. I'm also joined by our other co-host tonight on this beautiful spring evening. A man who's a fan of the Wu-Tang Clan, Summer Sausage, the Seattle Seahawks. That's our guy out in Seattle, of course, Scott Rainier. Nate, Scott, how are you guys? It's good to see you and be back with the boys tonight. I'm good, man. Look, you can see it behind me in my window with our spring forward, which I hate. Um, at least it's still light out. That's kind of nice. Um, so we've had some really good weather here in Seattle lately. It's been really nice to get some of that free vitamin D. Um and, you know, like off season, this has been my busiest off season by far um, in my life, but it's been super fun. You know, the combine and free agency. It's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's heating up. So baby. many things to talk about. Yeah, we've been plugged in. Nate, how are you doing over there in crispy Colorado tonight, my friend? It wasn't so crispy today. <clears throat> it was nice enough that I was in shorts and a T-shirt, still in a T-shirt. And um, I'm feeling those spring vibes, man. It's like things are coming alive. And we've got the draft coming up now as we're kind of – I think we're through the meat of free agency at this point. Yes, sir. We have some trades coming, hopefully. DeAndre Hopkins, please go somewhere else. But, dude, this is a great time of year, man. I'm just stoked to be here. I'm stoked to be here with you guys as well. Tonight on the show, we will be doing some headline hijinks, breaking down some of these more positional players and their movement around the NFL. And then we're going to reveal our best ball targets and fades as we uh, approach the season. That's really fun, whether you're playing over on NFC Underdog, wherever you guys are playing. Um, and then we're going to have a little chat about how to fuck up your spring cleaning, how to make it awesome. And so we're going to talk about all that tonight. I want to welcome in the IBT family, of course. We got Albert in the chat. Locked and loaded as always from the get go. Good evening, IBT. 
Good evening to you, Albert. We appreciate you joining us tonight. And Didi saying hello, hello, boys. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you, Didi. We hope you survived the uh, the storms out there in Col- or, uh, California. I know there, there was a lot of snow out there, so hope you're doing all right there. I want to remind the IBT family and anyone new to the channel, if you guys want to enroll in our Keyshawn Nixon helmet giveaway, autograph from the man who just got himself a new bag from the Green Bay Packers, head over to our website. We're going to drop that in the chat. And just put in, yes, subscribe to the channel. You don't have to do anything else. We learned our lesson a little bit about trying to make people do too much shit. Um, so just <laughs> subscribe to the channel and uh, and put in that that uh, that form, and you're going to be good to go. Let's get that going. Um, guys, and let's jump, jump right into it because we are absolutely loaded today. Here we go. Let's get some headline hijinks, baby. <laughs> All right, headline hijinks, friends. And let's start at the top, I guess. I guess we should probably kick it off um, with one of the more recent news, and that's Adam Thielen going to the Carolina Panthers on a three-year, $25 million contract. And my headline is this. I got a Thielen downstairs for Adam in Charlotte, baby. Yes, I am in on Adam Thielen, guys. The Panthers only have six picks in this draft. 40th wide 40th is where they could maybe take a wide receiver if they wanted to like a, if a Zay Flowers happened to fall to them um a Josh Down someone in that nature I could see but realistically I don't think there's anyone out there left on the street or left in this draft that they could get that could bring in and overtake Thielen for this number one role boys DJ Chark being uh, reported as possibly being interested in the Panthers but outside of him it's Terrace Marshall it's Nate Sky LaVisca um, how do you guys feel about Adam Thielen? I have a lot more to talk about him, but initially, Nate, what was your takeaways from this uh, th- this signing here? Well, he's 32, so there's that. And for a wide receiver, that's that's a little old, a little old. I mean, he's only a, he's only nine years younger than me. That that concerns me a little. But I thought it was interesting his quote where he said, "I feel like I have a real chance to win a Super Bowl." At first, I laughed it off. But if you look at what this team's doing, they're actually putting together a decent squad. You know, they got Slime Sanders in, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. I don't love Andy Dalton, but also Andy Dalton's serviceable. And it's he's, kind of, he's a great, great grooming the next gen, man. Well, and the feeling, the feeling, the um, Dalton signing leads me to believe they're going to go after Anthony Richardson. So that could be dynamic for this team. Very Cam Newton-esque type quarterback. Oh, I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for Adam Thielen's sake at CJ Stroud. I think. I, the- oh, dude, they gave Dalton two years, which leads me to believe that he's a bridge for a guy like Anthony Richardson, who is believed to be not completely ready to go in year one. And maybe he's going to need part of year two to kind of sit the Patrick Mahomes treatment. But ultimately for fantasy, I like it because like you said, he's going to be a target hog in this offense. There's not going to be a ton of passing volume. I think they're going to be pretty run heavy. I think Reich's going to be smart about that part of it. That said, who else is going to get targets? I think LaVisca Schnault's the wide receiver too in this offense at this point. And from track record, that's not saying a whole lot as much as I love him. 
and I know he is an older wide receiver. Obviously, that is a concern, but I still think he has some juice left in him. Um, he just wasn't schemed up that much in Kevin O'Connell's offense last season with those Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson, of course, KJ Osborne, young and emerging, and eventually they add Hawkinson. So like, I think they knew at the, at the beginning of last season, unless we win a Super Bowl, Thielen's probably not coming back. So why would they try to develop him more when they have Osborne and these younger guys? So I get that. But let's not forget, gentlemen, he was still a wide receiver three last year in a down season. The 2021 wide receiver 28 in 13 games and with 10 TDs 2020 not that long ago wide receiver 10 overall 14 touchdowns and he never saw more than 108 targets in that span and I think he's going to see 125 130 targets possibly in this offense being the number one guy I think productive when healthy he could be a young quarterback's best friend and he's wide receiver 71 on underdog right now I think he has league winning up upside, Scott, uh, to be a potential wide receiver too. Do you believe that? Um, I'm not quite there with him. Um, you, you don't I, got that feeling downstairs, Scott? I mean, not downstairs. <laughs> um, I mean, I agree, agree a little bit with Nate. I think he's actually going to be 33 when the season starts. Um, mm. But, I mean, Carolina, for one, Andy Dalton, sure, we can say he'd be a good bridge quarterback and a good – but. The last time Andy Dalton came into a team that drafted a young quarterback who wasn't ready to play, it was a dumpster fire, if you remember. Um, and I just think if Adam Thielen was a little bit younger, I would like the I would like the forecast on him after 2023. I just think 2023 is going to be a bit of a growing year. I think they are going to run the ball a lot. They ran the ball a lot last year. They're one of the only teams that ran it more than they passed it last year. I don't think that's going to change with either Andy Dalton or a rookie. And I mean, he he has had some some spike touchdown years, but if you look at his whole career, I mean, he's had more years under ten touchdowns than over. Um, and I just think I've looked at some of his peripheral advanced stats. I won't go into too much detail, but they've been on a decline for the last three years. So, um, I but I mean, at wide receiver seventy one, I mean, yes, that that that's the point. willing at at that price, but I don't see him. I don't see him. I, I think too much has to go perfectly right for him to be a top twenty four receiver. Okay. I'm going to take my shot on him um, a little bit earlier than his ADP right now and hopefully cash in. In other news, though, at the Carolina Panthers, same team, Miles Sanders, four-year, $25.4 million. Nate, what do you make of it? It's slime time in Queen City, man. We're looking at a new head coach in Frank Reich who Jonathan Taylor in his three seasons, he averaged 17.47 carries a game. So we're Sanders is going to have the volume. Here's my issue is that he hasn't been necessarily highly efficient with his carries. He averaged three, 4.9 yards per carry in that span, but only 3.9 yards per carry last season. That said, Reich knows Miles Sanders. He knows what he's capable of, and he still didn't really use him that much in Philly when he was the offensive coordinator. Now, will that change in Carolina? It's going to have to. They let Deontay Foreman go. They've got Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Rashid Blackshear, Hubbard and Blackshear, while they have some upside, Miles Sanders has to be the workhorse in this offense at this point. If he can parlay that 4.9 yards per carry over his career into what he does in Carolina, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's probably in that RB10 to RB15 range in 2023. Oh, I think you're a little high. I think you're no, a little high, Nate. I don't think I am because he didn't have a ton of volume last season, but he still had 1,000 yards, so we know he's capable of it. I don't, he think had, he, he I don't had think they want to give him. I don't think they want to give him much more volume than he saw last season. That They're was a lot. Have to. 
they're going to have to. And Frank I, know Frank Reich knows what he's got in Miles Sanders. He brought him in for a reason. And unless they do something, which there's nobody left in free agency at this point for the running back position, let's say go out and get Ezekiel Elliott, which I don't think they have the money or the desire to get an older running back like that. They're probably not going to do anything in the draft because they're taking a quarterback first overall. If they take CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, then Miles Sanders is going to get a ton of carries. If Andy Dalton's at quarterback, he's still going to get a ton of carries. Now, is he 200 plus carries? Probably right around that 200 carry range. But here's what I care about is the goal line touches. He's going to get more goal line touches than he got in Philly. This could be 11, 12, 13, 14 touchdown season for Sanders. And I know that sounds crazy. And I'm not saying that Carolina is necessarily going to blow things out of the water or he's going to look stellar in this offense. But I think that the red zone usage will be there enough to where he could even crack the top 10 in 2023 of running backs. Could. Could I'm not making I'm not saying this is a definite statement, but I see the path to that being a possibility for him in 2023. So, Scott, where where I'm struggling a little bit with and Nate, I I think the analysis you brought the table completely valid. I worry that he's been behind one of the best offensive lines his entire career. He had 260 carries last season. I don't think he can take much more than that. I don't think Miles Sanders is a 300 carry guy. I'm shocked he got 260. I, I didn't think he would ever get over that 220 mark, to be honest. 11 touchdowns last season. Like he had a good, he had a good season. What we need is the pass catching coming back that we saw early in his career to give him that RB1 ceiling. Is there any hope that he can get that 50 receptions he saw his rookie season be this three-down workhorse that Nate is possibly projecting him in Carolina, Scott? I don't, I don't see it. And there's two because of two words. Deuce and Staley. Those are the two words that I'm using because he is now, I mean, Reich's bringing a bunch of people, you know, he's, he's assembling his crew. Deuce Staley is the assistant coach. He is the running backs coach, which is exactly what he was with the Eagles not too long ago when Miles Sanders, everybody in fantasy football was clamoring for Miles Sanders to get more work. That was Deuce Staley. Um, And he's the running backs coach there now. So unless he changes his tune significantly, I do think that they do something else at running back. Um, I mean, they could bring in somebody like a Kareem Hunt, who's still available. Um, I like Miles Sanders. I've always liked Miles Sanders. I really want to see what Miles Sanders could do if he was just, you know, if he was just unleashed. I just, I I don't think it's going to be the case. Um, it was, you know, he was behind the best offensive line last year in football, and it's not going to be the case this year. So, um, I, th- I mean, I think at the same time, I'm not trying to say he's he's completely worthless. All I'm saying is I don't necessarily see a route to him being an RB one, uh, a three down back necessarily. I think it is a relatively good landing spot though for Miles Sanders in, in that system. So the one thing I want to say, Scott, when you say Kareem hunt, I don't think they have the money to pay a guy like, or I, I don't think you want. invest. I don't think you invest no. 25.4 mil over four years to Miles Sanders and pay another running back. So I am with no. you there. Is that I assuming think- that the salary cap is real? Yes. I, I mean, okay. we're seeing it. We are seeing a little bit of the effects just, of that right now. So I'm just, I'm yes. just joking around. No, yes. that's true. I hadn't taken in the money account. I just threw a, a free agent running back name out that sure. I remembered. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I am with you, though. Right now, RB24 in underdog draft. So if he is around that ADP come August, like I'm all right with, yeah, with, with spending that type of capital on Miles Sanders. At that point, you're looking at a seventh, eighth round pick. I'm cool with it. Um, but if it does get inflated, if more people are drinking that same juice that Nate is, I'm going to pass on that. Let's move to New England here. They had a couple exciting additions here. Juju Smith-Schuster, 
TikTok boy. He heads to New England, three years, 25 million. And it's crazy to see how Juju was once like thought to be a wide receiver one. I believed he was. And now he's getting paid less money than Jacoby Myers, Alan Lazard. It's just kind of crazy to see that. And Mike Kosicki joins him in the Patriots camp as well. One year, $4.5 million prove it deal for Mike Kosicki. Scott, what's the fantasy football implications and your headline for the New England Patriots? Well, my headline is team who sucks at acquiring pass catchers acquires two pass catchers. Um, (laughs) That's golden. um, And I really am more talking about drafting wide receivers than I am acquiring wide receivers. You might say, well, what about Jacoby Myers? Well, he was undrafted. He was the one success story. But I don't have to go into detail about the trouble uh, the Patriots have had drafting, bringing in, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a receiver, over the past handful of years. It's been bad. It's been really bad. So, But I'm also not implying with this headline. Um, I just wanted wanted to get in a shot at the Patriots anytime I can. Um, I'm not implying that these two are going to suck. I, I think... This I don't think they're going to be league winners, but I do think that this was, again, relatively speaking, it wasn't a bad landing spot um, for these two guys. With Juju, I think part of his problem in Kansas City is, I mean, his best years, likely behind him, but his best years also included heavy usage out of the slot. That's where he's been. Last year, for the first time in his career, he was running not out of the slot, uh, more than 50% of his snaps. Uh, He was kind of all over the place, you know, and I mean, I really, I really had high hopes for Juju with with Patrick Mahomes last year. And I'm not going to play. I'm yeah. not going to just say, oh, if they had put him in the slot more, he would have smashed. I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is he very likely is going to step into Jacoby Myers' role and run the majority of, of his routes out of the slot. I mean, Jacoby Myers was 70 plus percent last year. So, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he immediately steps in unless I'm missing somebody, and he's the wide receiver one in New England at this point. Taquan Thornton ain't it. Uh, but what what do you got? Yes, you're, for, you're forgetting about the other slot receiver they just signed, Mike Gusecki. Well, okay, wide receiver. I said wide receiver one. But yeah, um, and Gasicki, I mean, Gasicki's trajectory was going up until last year. Last year, it just, it bottomed out. He regressed. He played all 17 games. He only started one game um, and career lows across the board um, in, in volume. So, I mean, he's, I, I think that has a little bit to do with the Mike McDaniel system. It, you I know, agree. And, and they have Tyreek no, no. Hill and Jalen Waddle. No, no, I agree. It's 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 a little bit similar to the New York Giants in that um, the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins they targeted their tight ends bottom bottom tier of the league is, is how much they targeted their tight ends. Um, it's same with the Giants. Now with the Giants, that's probably going to change because they got Waller. But I think Gasicki is still a talented pass catching tight end. They have Hunter Henry, who's a better blocker. Gasicki is way better than Jonu Smith at this point. Um, I mean, it's it's tough to trust. The Patriots bringing in an athletic pass catching tight end after so many right. of us were burned by Johnny Smith. Um, not me. Where's where's where is he going right now? Where's Gasicki going? He's like tight end, low end tight end two. Yeah, uh, he's tight end twenty two. Yeah, tight end yeah. twenty three, somewhere around there. But here's the thing. So I actually just wrote about Mike Gasicki, Scott. Cool. This is why I'm so excited about it because his numbers. If you look at his advanced metrics and advanced stats he was much better than he showed out in fantasy this season because like Seth said, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, who are you going to throw the ball to? Not Mike Gesicki, but the Patriots had a real problem in the red zone with tight ends last season. Gesicki had more targets, catches and touchdowns 
than Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry combined last season. And that was on a down year where he went from 112 targets in 2021 to 52 in 2022. And that's, like you said, Seth, the Mike McDaniel offense doesn't favor a guy like Gasicki. However, we've seen New England support high-end tight ends. Mike Gasicki's more Rob Gronkowski than he is Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith. I'm not saying he's he's more of that style of player where he's a pass-catching tight end. He's a big body, and he works well in the red zone. And look – I think Matt, that's Hunter Henry. That's what Hunter Henry is. It's not me. Hunter Henry. It's not Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's great in the red zone. No, though. dude. He's okay in the red zone. Mike Gusecki's far more athletic in the red zone. I just don't want to play ring around the Rosie with sure. any of these pass catchers in this offense. I think that's the bottom line for fantasy. I'm not doing it. it Nate, it sounds like you're drinking the same juice that you drank two years ago with John Smith. You're back on the lean, bud. You got to take it easy on that. Well, no, see, this, this, is, this is different though. This is, this is different. Like people, people with John Smith and I was one of them. I'm guilty of this. I would, I, I rolled the dice mm-hmm. with him as my tight end one. He's going to smash in New England. That's not, I don't think that's what Nate's talking about here. He's not, he's not going to be a top 12 tight end, but I think his price, at least right now as, as tight end 22, I mean, once you get past the top 12, it's a crap shoot anyway. But I think he has upside in this offense. I think it was a good move by the Patriots, honestly, because I think they're two solid pickups and they were dirt cheap. I mean, Gasicki was four point five million. That's three million less than freaking Hayden Hurst is making. Yeah. Well, I, I sent out a tweet the other day where I was looking at Gasecki's. Yeah. Well, we send out tweets every day, Scott. It's what we do. But <laughs> pertaining to Gasecki, the thing is, is in some major categories and for tight ends last season, he ranked in the top five. His ADOT was like third highest in the league amongst tight ends. With I don't want course, a high ADOT with my tight end though. Like I want one of those. Why not? They're ADOT. getting no. They're getting down. That means they're getting down the field. I want a possession. That's, I want I want possession tight ends that are going to get me PPR points. Like that's I I get what you're saying. Saying um we got Brad here in the chat weighing. And he says if you get Kaseki at tight end twenty two exactly. and he finishes tight end fifteen, that's a win. I I can see it. I I just don't I I don't. I think he caps Hunter Henry's upside. I think it's it's both of it. I don't want to play this game. Brad also weighing in here in the chat saying that Juju's uh, best years obviously came playing across uh, from AB. Uh, anything I, I'm missing here, Nate, that you kind of want to throw in here as a rebuttal? Because I, I just can't. I can't buy it. I, I can't. I can't. I don't want to play this game. I'd rather have Hayden Hurst. Dude. I'd rather have Dalton Kincaid for a cheaper fight pr- price. Noah Fant. Tyler Conklin, like there are so many no. tight ends. Yeah, yeah, I want all those guys. Look, look at this offense and look who I'm else. I'm a Penn is. State the, guy. I'm a Penn look at State the, guy. I know, but look at the pass catches this offense. Seth, you got Devontae Parker, Juju, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton, and Hunter Henry. I forgot that's about Devontae Parker. That's who he's competing with. Exactly. Everybody forgot about Devontae Parker. That's why I had to say his name. Here's the thing. This isn't a talented wide receiver room. And if they want Mac Jones to succeed – Mike Kosicki is going to be the key to that. Now, is he going to have a season that blows our socks off? Maybe, probably not. He's probably not going to get 100 targets. He'll get more than the 52. But here's the thing. The bar is low for tight ends in fantasy. You get outside of Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, and it's an absolute shit show crapshoot. We have no idea where these guys are going to finish. Look at Juwan Johnson. He came on late in the season, and he finished his tight end 15. So, when you're looking at the tight end position, the bar is low, and Gasecki is probably a tight end one tier next season. In a I know re- you don't want 
in a redraft, I'm not it. I'm not drafting him. He's gonna be he's been on the waiver wire by week five the last two seasons. He was in a better situation in Miami, not this not this past season, but in 2021. He definitely was. He it was him and Jalen Waddle and the ghost of Devontae Parker. So Yeah, and he balled out in 2020. Well, that's the thing though. Like in redraft, I mean, I agree because you know, we're talking about him being a deal at tight end 22. And like Brad said, it's technically a win if he's tight end 15. But in a 12 team redraft, I mean, I'm not really back. I'm not drafting backup tight ends, so he wouldn't draft it. I'll throw a dude, dart on. I'll throw a 2000, dart on. on a, 2020, he was tight end seven. 2021, he was tight end nine in PPR he was still, formats. He, he was still dropped in 2021, though. He was still dropped. He might have well, been. Well, that's ridiculous. I didn't drop him. I know he had some down weeks, but, like, guys, what we got to remember is the bar is so low at tight end. This isn't, like, grading every other position where it's, like, you know, he's a back-end wide receiver three. All right. We're, okay. That's all we're, I'm saying. We're, we're moving on I'm here. I just, Scott, realized we, I just realized we stole Nate's rare from later in the show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's okay. We don't need to talk anymore about it. Let's go to the Cowboys here. They start by cutting Ezekiel Elliott. The ties, man. I mean, we thought Jerry Jones would never do it. He was so deep in this one. Scott, what's your headline in the fantasy football implications of it? Mine is Pollard fan. Pollard stands rejoice dot, dot, dot for now. Um, so obviously this is good news for Tony Pollard. Um, you know, who depending on how you look at leaderboards, the leaderboard I create is uh, he was the RB7 points per game PPR, so he was an RB1 uh, with Zeke there most of the time. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to stick. The reason I say for now is because thoughts of Tony Pollard being this three down Saquon Barkley that's that's not going to happen. Um, they, the Cowboys have shown us that that's not going to happen, and I honestly don't think that's that's where he would excel. Uh, I mean, like I said, he was RB7 in 2022, and that was seeing less than 50% of the RB rush attempts in that right. offense. Um, he's a he's an explosive playmaker, and I think he needs to stay that. I'm, they're not going to go into the season with him and Malik Davis, and they did just today re-sign Rico Dowdle. But they're going to they're gonna likely draft a running back. Um, there's lots of rumors about it being jumping up and being Bijan. Um, and that would be a very Jerry Jones move. It'd be a pretty stupid move in my opinion, but that'd be a very Jerry Jones move, but they could easily go for one of the kind of bigger bruiser rookies in the third or fourth round somewhere in there. There's a whole slew of them. So, you know, I did say, you know, rejoice for now. That was only because I don't think he's Pollard's going to be a bell cow. He, his injury is, you know, three to four month timeline. He should be good to go by training camp. But I, I'm still, I'm still going to be ranking him as a low end RB one, regardless of who they draft, unless it's Bijan. If Gibbs, they do Gibbs draft Bijan, then I'm going to have to relook at everything. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you that there, Nate. Final question here on Tony Pollard. Uh, we'll, we'll wait to talk on Zeke until he does land somewhere. Question on Pollard though. If you're in a dynasty league, would you consider moving him right now? Because right now he has a clear path to the, be the RB one for the Cowboys by April, you know, thirtieth. That that door might shut, and uh, we might see just one season from in Dallas here. It's going to depend on your league mates, and if you have people that aren't reading the same news we're reading, because most of the people who are reading the news we're reading are pretty sure that Dallas is going to do exactly what they shouldn't do, like you said, Scott. And they're going to draft Bijan Robinson because it's Jerry Jones. It's what Jerry Jones does. I don't they're think starting... they can get him at that at that that pick though. I don't think but they, they can, can trade. Get him. But, but they can trade up. We've so seen Bijan mocked as low as thirty. 
So I, I've also seen him go as I see him go as high as ten though, and he just met with the Eagles here recently. I could see him going there. I don't know if he gets past ten to be honest at this point. I mean, I would move him at this point if I can, probably depending on my roster construction. But here's kind of the thing that I'm looking at is that his upside is being a pass catching back. He only exceeded 15 carries once all season or twice all season. One of them was 22 carries. One of them was 18 carries. So he's not a workhorse running back. That's not where his value is despite the nine rushing touchdowns, but most of those were longer touchdowns. He's not a red zone back. So either that role goes to, Ronald Jones, which we all know isn't going to happen. It's not going to Ronald Jones. It's not, not going not to Ronald Jones. Roster. Right. Or it goes to somebody, like you said, third, fourth round guy like Chase Brown, Zach Charbonnet. We'll see how that all plays out. But his upside is in the passing game, and none of those guys are going to cut into his passing work. So the path is there for him to be an RB1 tier player in 2023. So if you are going to move him, if you're moving him ahead of the draft, Make sure you're getting a good return for him. Get a first or second round rookie pick. Get a solid veteran that can fill a hole in your lineup. Someone who has top tier value because that's what Pollard likely will be in Dallas in 2023. RB11 right now on underdog fantasy drafts going in that mid mid third round right now ahead of guys like Travis Etienne, Ramondre, Najee, Dalvin. That's kind of the range you're looking at if you want to invest in Tony Pollard. I want to see more. I want to see. I want to see what happens in camp. I want to see what happens in the draft before I weigh in. More on this. Let's stick with Dallas, though. Let's stick with the, the, the great Lone Star State here, and the Texans. They've traded Brandon Cooks for a 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 sixth round pick. Cowboys will take on 12 million dollars of that salary. In addition, they also have signed Dalton Schultz to a one-year contract as well. Schultz, I don't think, is too happy with his agent after getting a three-year offer last year, turning it down trying to play out what he what he had. And my headline here is Texans Cowboys practice the old Texas switcheroo. And I do not know what Texas switcheroo is, but I would still not Google that one either. I, I, I think <laughs> anything with Texas and switcheroo in there, I'm not Googling that. Better not, safe than sorry. Wait, you don't, you don't know what it means, but it, it's your headline? Yeah, you know, okay. I thought it was a good headline, so I, I I just didn't want to take the chance. I didn't want the browser to get you know bogged down by any possible results of Texas switcheroo. However, so the Texans they're getting Dalton Schultz and B- <laughs> and Brandon Cooks. He is going to the uh, he, he's going to the Cowboys here. And look, Cooks he's twenty nine. He's been traded four times in his NFL career. I think he's a low end wide receiver, high end wide receiver three. That's where he's been throughout most of his career. Take out that concussion 2019 season and this past one where he just didn't play games. Like he literally just sat out games because he's pissed off the organization. And he's been a wide receiver too for six straight seasons without those two. Wide receiver 46 right now. That is a value in drafts. I will take him in our best balls. However, I bet when redraft season comes around, that's probably going to about even out. And I don't think it's going to be as crazy of a value. Before I move on and talk about the Schultz implications, Scott, is that where you have him right now in your ranks too? Is probably somewhere back end two, uh, high end number three wide receiver. Yeah, and and I agree that that current, especially in best ball, that 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 current wide receiver number he's at is is a steal. Um, I think I mean this is actually I think this is a really good move by the Cowboys. I think he fits their I think he fits really well. I mean he's the field stretcher that he still got it. 
he's you know, we talk about Thielen still having it. He's only, I mean, Cooks is only 29. And I'm kind of discounting whether whether you want to blame him and say you should have been out there. Things were not right last year in Houston. So I'm I'm kind of scrapping last year as far as trying to draw too much from it. Um, however, based on who all the other pass catchers in that system, I you know, this could be one of those moves that is is really good for the NFL Cowboys, but it could be kind of murky for fantasy. Um you know, I kills I Michael my, Michael Gallus value. He he's he. I mean, yeah. it was already in question, and it's done now. Yeah. So I mean, I, I have a feeling where he's going to become. You know, redraft season. I'm probably not going to be drafting him where he's going. Same. But I've been underestimating Brandon Cooks for like it feels like the last ten years, and so we'll see. Tr- ties Eric Dickerson for the player trade most in his career. Uh, we'll see if it happens one more time. He can break that. Dalton Schultz is the other side of this pill here, Nate. I like him. He's been a top five in most tight end categories over these past two seasons. And he he's probably right now like the best weapon that Bryce Young, whatever rookie quarterback comes in here, is going to have on this team. There's not a lot of options. Nico Collins being the number one wideout, we think they'll probably add a talented rookie wide receiver, possibly try to trade up in, in that first round and get, get someone else as well. But tight end 11 right now and best balls, which I think is a bit of a value. Um and I think that could even fall a little bit with some of these talented rookies coming in that could push that down a little bit. If I miss out on Travis Kelsey, I'm okay with waiting on a guy like Schultz, like Evan Ingram, kind of these back-end tight end one candidates, maybe grab a rookie dart throw. Are you in that camp as well that, that you'll put some uh, commitment here in Schultz? It's going to depend on what they do in the draft. Because if you look at their picks, they've obviously they've got two overall. That's where they get their quarterback. Then they've got 12 overall, which has been mocked a million different ways. Then they've got 33rd overall. So just out of the first round, they have another pick. And so essentially they, in, in practice, they have three basically first round picks in this draft because we have avoided pick and the first round is only 31 picks. So depending on what they do, I think they get a wide receiver with one of those last two picks in that like first round kind of realm if they do that, I think it hurts Schultz, honestly. But then again, to be still fair, probably have, the number two option, though. Still probably the number. Two. I don't know though because Nico Collins has looked serviceable. Oh my, my goodness! You my have to, goodness! No, not my goodness. Look, you're he's a, a, you're he's on, a talented you're high tonight. You are on drugs. Funny enough, I am on nothing. Sir. <laughs> Here's the thing: we have you're, seen a warped Houston Texans offense for a few seasons. This is a team that believed in Davis Mills, as I did but they haven't paid up for coaching. They ran out Lovey Smith. Like this team has been a mess. Does that change with Demeco Ryan? I do believe it does, but I also believe that Demeco Ryan's a defensive guy. And what do we see defensive coaches do? Target. They run, they run, run, the, run ball. the ball, target your tight end, run target tight end personnel. But is this team really going to throw the ball much with a rookie? I guess it depends on who they take. I think if you're investing someone at number two overall, I think you are going to throw the ball. Scott, any thoughts? You were shaking your head down there a little bit with with, with Nate's hype up of Nico Collins and you know more obscure players here in the league. I don't remember what I was shaking my head at, but I think, um, I mean, it's really hard to say whether this is better or worse neutral for Schultz, in my opinion. Um, I'm looking at the underdog best ball rankings, though, and I mean – Tight end 11 seems about right, actually. And I'm basing that more on looking at who I would put him over. You know, you've got Njoku ahead of him. I might put him over Njoku. But once you get past that, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. He's pro- yeah. He's I mean, the I only think person. Schultz represents at least right now in March. He represents kind of a tear break after Schultz. It gets ugly. Um, you know, so the, I think the that's Dawson Knox is Cole Komets of the world. Greg Dulcich. That's kind of what you're looking at at that point. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, all I Nate's think, favorite players that I just named <laughs> pretty I think, much. I think that's about, I think it's about right where he's at right now. I agree. I mean, if they, if they, if they spend some high draft capital on a wide receiver, it inevitably hurts Schultz's volume. Um, but I mean, he's a, he's a savvy tight end veteran on a young rebuilding team and tight ends. I, I'm actually doing, I'll, I'll share it with you guys when I'm done. I'm doing a real big deep dive on whether rookie quarterbacks have actually been good for tight ends in fantasy or not. Because the common thinking is like, oh, a tight end safety valve for a young rookie quarterback. And sure. that's totally logical. But I'm actually looking at the, the numbers going back very far. Well, let you know, so far, preliminary data, yeah, it's a little bit of an uptick for the tight end based on what they did the previous year. Let's go. All right. All right. I like that. In other news here, guys, Cincinnati. They make a splashy, splashy headline here with Orlando Brown, left tackle from Kansas City, coming over for a four-year, $64 million deal. And Orlando Brown, guys, he was one of the top free agents. Some some places ranked the top free agent after the Chiefs did not franchise tag him. Jonah Williams, though, now, who was their left tackle, he wants out because he doesn't want to play the right side, which does hurt his value when he does hit the open market. People want to sign left tackles, not right tackles. Nate, what was your overall takeaway and your headline for uh, Mr. Orlando Brown Jr., if I may add, heading to uh, the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio? So as someone who has done offensive line rankings, I was very glad to see this one pop up that I get to talk about my boy Orlando Brown. Big boy Brown busting heads in Cincy. So first of all, he's huge. I don't know if people realize how big he's six foot eight, 318 pounds. Good Lord. That's a truck. That's a fucking truck. And this is what Cincinnati needed. They needed that blindside protection for Burrow to make sure they're protecting their investment. I love to see it for Burrow for his safety. He doesn't have to be as mobile in the pocket as he's been. Maybe he's not going to have to shuffle around as much. Maybe he can be a little bit more stable in the pocket. But that said, like, can you really bump Joe Burrow any higher? You can't. This doesn't move the needle for me on Burrow. And when it comes to Mixon and the rushing attack, of course, this is helpful. But again, can you bump him any higher? Like, Could this help his efficiency? 3.9 yards per carry, which I attributed earlier to Miles Sanders. My bad. So many numbers. But I, that's where I think it helps. This is going to add stability to that line, and it might help Mixon maybe be a little bit more efficient this year. From a football standpoint, shocked that Kansas City let him go. Could not believe they didn't re-sign him. He was like the stalwart, the the Mount Rushmore of this offensive line in Kansas City. I'm happy to see Cincinnati get protection for Burrow, hopefully keep him healthy for longer. But fantasy-wise, it doesn't move the needle for me much because this offense was already so electric with a shitty line. Like, it doesn't – now all it is is it's security for Burrow, security for Mixon, maybe some more time in the pocket that he doesn't necessarily need because he's learned to live with no time behind a bad line. But I love the move for Cincinnati, and I'm sure that Burrow's got to be ecstatic that his blind side is now shored up and he doesn't have to worry about it. 
Yeah, I think this is one of those examples this is more of a football move rather than a fantasy football move. And I think we can just about leave it at that. And let's go ahead and jump into our next segment here and let's break down some more best ball targets and fades with temperature check. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy <laughs> shit. So hot, baby. That's temperature check here. And let's just j- dive right into it. Let's talk a little bit about our scale here. If you eat steak like a normal adult human, rare is the best level. Medium, that's right in the medium. And well done. That means you're out on this player completely. Well, you know, you're kind of in the middle. But you're kind of about done with them. I'm not like that. I'm still a child. I don't eat rare steaks, folks. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't do it. Um, maybe one day I will get there. Um, however, I am rare on this player, guys, and it is Frisky Jets season already. Al Lazard, I believe, is currently the best value in best ball drafts across all platforms. 58, wide receiver 58 off of uh, underdog fantasy. That's an 11th round pick for Mr. Lazard. And I say, okay, let me head over to NFC, which is some of the higher stake tournaments. A lot of times it's $100, $250, $500, $1,000 buy-in over on NFC. Nope, wide receiver 66 over there. And this isn't only a reconnection with possibly Aaron Rodgers when he gets dealt over there, but also Nathaniel Hackett. The last time these guys linked up, it was a career-high eight touchdowns for Mr. Alan Lazard on only 60 targets. Like, Alan Lazard's ceiling here, if Rodgers does join this team, which I know, I mean, we, we know it's a matter of when, not if. Double-digit touchdowns. That's his ceiling right now. He had a 21% target share last year. I think Garrett Wilson is an alpha, so that will go down a little bit. But I can't see it dropping below that 19 20% range, leaving him as a wide receiver three at his floor and a possible wide receiver two ceiling. Wider uh, for a 11th, 12th, 13th round pick in some places here, Nate. I love Alan Lazard, I can't get enough of him. Well, wide receiver 58, like you said, that is a steal, absolute steal. As a wide receiver, two in an offense that may have Aaron Rodgers, and if it more than likely will have Aaron Rodgers, he can support two wide receivers. He's done it his whole career. And a wide receiver 58 for a guy who's likely to finish inside the top 30 on the low end. 36, 36, top 36. I, no, I'm saying inside the top. I'm telling you he's going to finish inside the top 30 in an uh, offense with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to happen. <clears throat> Even with Garrett Wilson can be a wide receiver one. <clears throat> he can be a mid-range to high-range wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. This is a steal. Scott, any any thoughts here on uh, our, our guy, Alan Lazard? Um. Yeah, I mean, wide receiver 58 is a steal for a wide receiver that's going to finish right around probably 46. That's about all I have to say. Okay. I don't, I'm not I'm not super high on Lazard, even if Rodgers goes there. Um, I mean, he only had a rookie last year in his way with Rodgers in Green Bay. And I, 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 don't, I have fantasy pros in front of me, but it doesn't have the numbers. I don't know where he finished. He was a wide receiver three, I think, in that 34, 35 range last season was where yeah. he finished. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would see – I would see that as a ceiling, especially with somebody like Garrett Wilson there. Brees Hall is going to be catching a bunch of passes. I think the connection with Nathaniel Hackett is what makes me excited in that he wasn't used very much in that gold zone and in that red zone. So I really think that he can kind of have a a better connection down there where it matters where you're getting six fantasy points on the dot. 
that that's where I, I like him and I think his ceiling can improve um, me personally. But Scott, go ahead with, uh, with with one of your either let's let's stick with targets here. Who's someone you're targeting in best balls right now? So my rare, let me get there, is crazy guy Jamal Williams, new Saints running back. I think crazy train ex- baby. I think he's an excellent best ball guy. Um, I mean, currently he's RB thirty four. You know, and I mean, granted, last season his high RB finish was largely due to having a ridiculous 33 goal line carries the most in quite some time and 17 rushing touchdowns. Um, but, you know, so that's why I, I, I'm not predicting that he's going to finish as, you know, RB 15, but I think RB 34 is a steal in the same system because I think whether or not Kamara misses time due to a potential suspension, Jamal Williams is locked in there. He, he has a role. If Kamara gets suspended, it's even more of a role. Um, but I mean, I think this, this is what the saints, you know, it's different. It's different coaching, obviously, but the Saints, you know, when they were firing, when Kamara was firing was when he, there was a hammer in Mark Ingram to handle more of the early down work and between the tackles work. Um, the last two seasons, Kamara has carried the ball too much, in my opinion, and it's affected his fantasy output. I think Jamal Williams is a great fit here. I think he'll be the goal line guy. Um, I think he'll be it'll be similar to what he was in Detroit. Um I'm not predicting, not projecting 17 rushing touchdowns, but double digits well within range. Um, and, you know, he didn't catch the ball in Detroit. That's because they had DeAndre Swift. He caught some passes in Green Bay. He had a season where yes, he had receiving touchdowns, 45 targets back in 2019. So that skill is there. Um, so if Kamara, I mean, if I think that if, if the Saints know Kamara is getting suspended, they'll probably try and bring in some sort of pass catching running back potentially. Um, again, I, I'm not sure what their cap situation is off the top of my head, but in best ball, especially, uh, a guy that could, you know, just drop three touchdowns. And he yes, gets, yes. Perfect know, that, best ball that's, target. That's, yes. a, that's a guy I want. Plus I love him so much as a person, <laughs> mm-hmm. just, just hilarious human being, uh, Super excited for his opportunity here and uh, all the quotes we're going to continue to get from Jamal Williams. And Nate, this leads right into someone that you're fading here as well. Uh, Who would that be? Well, we just said his name. It's Alvin Kamara. He's well done to me. So first of all, if you've seen any of the legal stuff, and I'm not a lawyer, but as a fantasy manager, you want to kind of try and figure out where some of this stuff is headed. You're not a lawyer, but you are a lawyer of the housing market. Yeah, sure. it's a little is, different. We don't that, deal is with that. Is that not a realtor? Is that not correct? Maybe. Yeah, no, that is correct. Like, Allegedly. I, I, I yeah, you're right. But exactly. here's the thing is there's nothing criminal about the law that I practice. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm to keep away from that. <clears throat> but if you've seen the videos, Kamara's kind of fucked, man. Like, oh, yeah. There, oh, isn't yeah. A, there isn't a jury that's going to look at this and be like, no, it was fine. It was self protection. And then afterward, he's talking about, I kicked this guy's ass. Like, dude's in trouble. I think Drew Davenport, if you don't follow Drew Davenport, if you're looking for legal advice on all this fantasy football stuff and what's happening with all that, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Dude, he could easily miss half of 2023 if he doesn't miss the entire season. Regardless of if he gets convicted, there's a suspension coming because it's pretty egregious. Like he did some shitty shit in Las Vegas during the Pro Bowl of all things. Like, bro, focus on the flag football game. But he was also on the decline already. I mean, 2021 was 2022 is one of his worst seasons. He's not a guy who rushes for a thousand yards. He's a guy who works in the passing game. And as a running back, 
as your legs get more tired, you get older, you get slower, you start to have problems with your knees because you're using them more often. He becomes less effective as that person. You're not going to see him, whether or not he plays, getting the kind of work he got in the past. And to the previous point of who we just talked about, Jamal Williams all but kind of guarantees that Kamara's goal line touches go away because they don't need him to be that guy anymore. They've got Jamal Williams, and that's the kind of – Derek Carr's not adept inside the 20s throwing the ball. He hasn't been a great red zone passer in his career. Kamara's cooked, man. Like, I hate to say it, but if you have him in Dynasty, sell him. And if you're in a best ball draft at RB21, if he plays the whole season, he might get to RB28. Maybe. But if he doesn't play half the season, this is, we're talking about RB60, RB50, and you're, you've wasted draft capital on a guy who's not going to do anything for you. So I want to set, set aside the legal thing for a second. Like, obviously... And I mean, you know, it's hard to it's hard to ignore the video. And personally, I think consequences should be there. Um, but for the sake of this discussion, um, obviously, if he's suspended, he's not worth RB21. So let's just for a second, hypothetically, pretend he's not. I actually think that's a good I don't think he's cooked. I think that the last two seasons were a product of one. Like I said, I, I did a pretty deep dive onto this, too, to look at what what went wrong with Alvin Kamara and he wasn't being utilized in, in the way that he was, you know, during his heyday, during his RB4, overall RB1 years. He was getting less targets. He was getting more rush attempts. Yes, Jamal Williams will take goal line carries away, but Joel, Jamal Williams, I believe, will, let, will allow Kamara to be back in his sweet spot of what I call opportunity ratio, the percentage of your opportunities that are targets and the percentage that are rush attempts. Um, he was, he was, he was skewed way towards rush attempts, both the last two seasons. And last year it was, beyond me why he was not getting more targets like how do you allow that to happen as a coach so um if he plays the whole season i actually think this is kind of good for him um i would take him at rb21 and i do have him in a dynasty league and i am trying to trade him but my commissioner needs to turn on the trades <laughs> yeah let's go a little more shit talking on nate there <laughs> let's stay with the saints guys because I think you both make very valid points. There's a mixed opinion out there. I believed everything Nate was telling me. And then Scott's making a, a very good point. If there isn't a suspension, that maybe that is a value for Alvin Kamara. I'm going to move on to one of the, the players that I am well on, and that is Chris Olave. I And listen, I love Chris Olave. I was one of the guys, Scott, you know it. You've called me out. I hyped him up this time last year coming out of Ohio State. Love the guy. But the cost to me is just absurd right now. Wide receiver 14 on underdog, 24th overall, a second round pick for best balls. Wide receiver 16, a little a little bit better fourth round ADP over on NFC boards. Um, still, guys, like this is a guy, he gave you 119, 72, and 1,000 last year, but it was only wide receiver 25 in 15 games. And that's because of touchdowns. That's It's a DJ Moore type of issue. And I think Olave can score touchdowns. I'm not saying that, but now he gets Derek Carr coming in. Career, laughingly career low tight or touchdown rate. Pete Carmichael, the guy's been running an offense from 2010 for fucking 13 years. It is despicable. And then Dennis Allen, I think he could have possibly been fired. I know it was his first year there rebuilding, whatever. He made some questionable decisions. And now Michael Thomas might be back as well. Nate, go ahead. Dennis Allen should have been fired. 
And you're right to be down on Chris Olave because of Dennis Allen. I don't know what this franchise is doing keeping him around. He's a death knell for a lot of these guys' fantasy value. Plain and simple. I think Pete Carmichael, I think, is even more just because he has been there for sure. so long and he doesn't run a, a super up-to-date offense. Scott, any thoughts on Chris Olave here? I know our guy, our guy Mike Stoyanov is listening tonight. I know he's he's taken one to the heart because he loves this man. <laughs> I mean, I do too. I really like Chris Olave, and I I think this is this is almost a hundred percent situational. Nothing, nothing against Chris Olave and his talent. Um, it does seem a little high. It seems a little high with who's around him. Um, you know, I'm not going to trash Derek Carr as much. I think we talked about this. I think a couple of weeks ago. I think. Derek Carr is a QB upgrade compared to last year, in my opinion. Um, but it's just a little too high. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at him with the other stud rookie, Garrett Wilson, who's wide receiver nine, an underdog, which is kind of insane in and of itself. Um, that seems about right as far as where I have those two together. But Garrett Wilson, if Rodgers, wouldn't it be the ultimate Rodgers if he didn't go to the Jets? Um off it, don't put those if, vibes if, out there you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> if rogers goes you know i mean that makes that makes more sense with garrett wilson um with olave it's yeah it's uh it's a it's a tricky situation it depends also on michael thomas um you know there's two two trains of thought there if michael thomas ends up playing the whole year is that better or worse it's that age-old discussion takes volumes but takes attention that whole thing um so but at this point that does seem that seems high in best ball I'd rather take Debo, DK Metcalf, right, kind of in that range, or like wait and just get a guy like Christian Watson a couple rounds later, Drake London. Like, there's so many other guys. I think I just rather wait than pay that very expensive price for Chris Olave with those concerns. Scott, hit us with your best ball fade right now, uh, as the market currently stands over there on Underdog and NFC. It was kind of, it was honestly kind of hard for me to find a fade at this point. Um, and I, you're I, an I, optimistic guy, Scott. I guess, but I. You guys might have covered this guy last week, but my my fade's DJ Moore with the Bears, and I I really like DJ Moore. I've always liked DJ. Thank you, Moore. thank you um, for this. He, the talent you. is there. He's he's a really really good wide receiver. Um, you know, for whatever reason, and, and I mean the thing is 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 he's he hasn't been a big touchdown scorer in his career, so his fantasy numbers he hasn't ever really threatened for top five or anything like that. So a lot of times, you know. On the surface, he gets dogged for that, but he's put up some really good seasons. You know, I mean, his his target shares, his volume, you know, it, it, for the most part, aside from a couple of seasons, have been elite. Um, and I think percentage wise, I think his target share will be very good in Chicago. It's just that what that percentage is a percentage of is too small. Um, it's too small for I think for him to get to the wide receiver too. Uh, you know that it's. There's there's a lot of a lot of comparison with you know Justin Fields and the Bears, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. You know the step up they took. The Eagles, right. you know, they run rush rushed the ball over 500 times in 2021, and then they, you know, Jalen Hurts took that step, supported two top 24 wide receivers. So you know people are people are thinking maybe that can happen with Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields. I think he's going to be good. They have too far to go in one season for there to be enough passing volume, in my opinion, for DJ Moore to threaten a you know wide receiver one, wide receiver two numbers. Um, he's going to be the number one option, I believe, passing wise. Um, but I mean, the the pass, the the run to pass ratio, the the lack of pass attempts oh, yeah. last, last year, it was historically yeah. low. They just it'll get much, better. It'll get better, but not. It'll get better, but it's starting from such a low place to expect enough of an increase in just one season. 
that's to me not probable. That's not likely. So that's why that's why DJ Moore is unfortunately a fade for me at wide receiver twenty one. I think he's more of a wide, you know, not too far off. I think he's probably a high end. You're wide drafting him three. in his ceiling though. That that that's what yeah, everyone every much, single yeah. I've been saying this for four years on this goddamn podcast, and like I don't know how many people have been listening for that duration of the time, but that's the issue with with DJ Moore is you're always drafting him at his ceiling. Here's because the thing, of the hype. I'm excited for him for a change of scenery. Change of scenery, you know, for sure. Forget all the stats and everything that can be that can be a, a boost. And I'm excited for him, you know, you know, the next over the course of the next few years with Chicago and that offense because they are now starting. Like last year was like, whoa, what's going on? But they are starting to build something now. Yeah. No more thoughts from I don't think Nate and I on DJ Moore. We've talked uh, almost nauseating about him the last couple of weeks. But I'm gonna round this out with here a little double whammy. A little double whammy for you guys here. I'm I'm well done on DeAndre Swift. I don't want any part of him at RB19 right now on underdogs. And I'm rare on backfield mate David Montgomery coming over to Chicago's. And we talked a little bit about him. This news actually dropped as we were going live last week. But I've had some time now to sit, look at the data, reassess it. And here's what I, I'll say. You are drafting DeAndre Swift, like you just mentioned with DJ Moore, at his ceiling at RB19 here. I love this guy. He was my running back too coming out of that 2020 class. I loved him, but he is maxed out around 150 carries per season. And Detroit making this investment in Montgomery is saying they don't believe any differently. Miles Sanders, we saw take that that nice leap last week or last year, as we mentioned, Nate, going from about 150, 175 carries up to that 260 mark. Dave Montgomery, you can lock him up for 200 carries. That's who he is. He's not a bell cow by any means, but he's a guy who's going to have 250 carry or 200 carries. And Jamal Williams was just an adequate pass catcher. Like he, he was decent in green Bay in that 2020 and the 2019 season, Scott, but he was never like revolutionary, never broke 300 uh, receiving yards. Dave Montgomery though, three year, three straight years of 300 receiving yards, a better yards per reception than Swift count him for 200 plus carries and more receiving work than Williams. Maybe there's more goal line opportunity for Swift, but I think his passing work is going to get eaten into even more. I want Montgomery here. I think he's the value, and I think Swift is the landmine. Well, See, I Swift, think, go, go ahead, ahead, Scott. Okay. Um, I agree. Montgomery is a huge value there. I, I love Montgomery in Detroit. However, I don't think this is DeAndre Swift's ceiling, and here's part of the reason. Um, last year was seemingly a train wreck for DeAndre Swift. Um he was the RB16. We're looking at RB19. He points was the RB16. Points per game. Points per game. And last year was, I think, DeAndre Swift's absolute floor as far as what he can do. Now, I agree. I think I think the whole community overestimated DeAndre Swift from the get-go. Um, not Guilty. necessarily. Me too. Guilty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, not, not, I still think he has the talent. I just, I don't, I think it's been revealed to us by the lions that that's not how they're going to use him. But I'm taking this from my, my, one of my guys, JJ Zacharyson from his podcast. He, he mentioned the first two, two seasons Montgomery or Swift was right around 50% of the running back rush attempts, right around 50%. Tony Pollard esque. last year that plummeted. So it depends on which train of thought you're in. Do you think it's going to stay at that career low or is it going to go back up? Not to say Montgomery isn't going to get his, but I think that both of these running backs will thrive. I'm off the DeAndre Swift as an RB1 or the RB1 train. 
but I still think he's an RB two. Um, and I mean, and a, again, RB nineteen, you're willing to make that? I'm willing to. I mean, based on everybody, you know, the the mindset is last year DeAndre Swift was a massive disappointment, and he was still ahead of this RB rank. I I think what it comes down for me and Nate, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Is I will not draft DeAndre Swift at RB19 because I think D- David Montgomery has just as good of a chance, if not a better chance, to finish in that RB2 range. Uh, Nate, bring it home here for us. So here's the thing, is that if you watch film and look at stats, David Montgomery is more DeAndre Swift than he is Jamal Williams. He's not, yes. the, bruise, he's not the bruising type of back that Jamal Williams is. He's not that solid red zone guy, but he can be that back. And this is the difference. DeAndre Swift was so disappointing in the red zone. The guy cannot punch it in, plain and simple. It's If you want to see what it's like, see DeAndre Swift at the goal line trying to punch in a touchdown, Google a gif of someone running into a brick wall because that's what it looked like all season. The dude doesn't have the power to be that guy. Whereas David Montgomery not only can be that guy in the red zone, but he can be that guy in the gold zone between the twenties where he can be the pass catching back. He can be that elusive back. He can be that smooth as silk back. And to me, when they signed David Montgomery, that was an indictment on Deandre Swift. It was, this guy's a nice niche player, but he can't get it done ultimately. And we need that guy who's good in all facets of the game I have a hard time believing that on DeAndre Swift is even going to be an RB two next season. I don't think he's going to see the volume. I think we're going to see David Montgomery suck so much of that work away that like the, the point scoring fantasy work inside the twenties, DeAndre Swift is fine between the twenties, but once you get into the red zone, he's kind of a liability for an offense. And we saw it in Detroit last season. If this is a team that wants to get serious about running the ball at the goal line, like they did last season, which is what Dan Campbell is all about. DeAndre Swiss value is kind of dead to me. He's an RB three in my brain. And he's, that's his ceiling to me. I still just look at Jamal Williams last year, scored 17 rushing touchdowns, had 33 goal line carries and DeAndre Swift finished as the RB 16. Sure. But when just, you bring I in a guy like, who does the same like, things that DeAndre Swift does, you don't need DeAndre Swift to do it as much. I, they're I paying mean, David I Montgomery. Think it's a, I think it's a pretty far cry. I mean, yes, David Montgomery is a much better pass catcher than Jamal Williams. But I think to say that he can just replace DeAndre Swift's explosiveness in the passing game, I think that's a stretch. Personally. No, he, he, I'm not saying he, that he can replace it. He can't replace I'm, it, but he has a better yards per reception. He, he is a, just a, a, as a consistent pass catcher. Montgomery is there. So, I mean, you could very well be right. I just, I don't think that this is necessarily as big of an indictment on Swift. I think we have to adjust and get Swift out of the like, you know, trade three first rounders. Right. Cause he did have like overall RB1 outside at one point. Yes. He's similar to Kamara. It's like he's being faded. It's like an overcorrection to where he's almost becoming a value again, in my opinion. That's just, that's my opinion about Swift. I think he's still going to get his in the passing game. And I still just look at, Things couldn't have really gone worse for him last year. And he was the RB16. Okay. So, some debate here tonight. I like it. I love the little fire we got rolling over here at the hey, IBP podcast. None of, us, none of us are right or wrong for another six months. Yeah. We shall <laughs> We shall see what happens here soon, guys. Uh, let's round it out here. A little bit of weekly advice. Weekly. 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 
All right. Finally Kyle. out here in Pennsylvania where we're at, where I'm at, it's where Kyle. our guy Jim Scott is at. We're getting in the 50s back again, guys. February was kind of warm. February, you're feeling those vibes, spring vibes coming. And then March, it came in like a lion, and it has been trash. But now we're finally getting those those spring vibes. And part of that spring vibes come with spring cleaning, getting the house spruced up, getting your vehicle spruced up. And uh, help us chat a little bit about this. We're beginning Kyle Scott. Kyle, you're an audio producer, editor extraordinaire. How are you doing over there in that really nice-looking uh, sweater you got on? Yeah, thank you. I'm trying to stay cozy. While it is in the 50s today, it does dip quite a bit in the nighttime. But uh, it's also just fashionable and fun to wear. So what? I'm doing what? great. I, I'm having fun hanging out. It Good. looks homemade, Kyle. It's did not you, did, you hand, did you hand knit that? No, some Irish person uh made this. A little bit of culture. Okay. Okay. A little bit of culture coming in here. Um, Kyle, have you started your spring cleaning yet, my friend? Um, I don't necessarily do like a spring cleaning. I just I uh clean, I guess. Okay, okay. <laughs> I like so, to keep on top of it. Okay. So for me, the big, the big thing is like around this time of year is I like spruce up my vehicles. I'll pull them out for a day. I'll, I'll get the bush lights cracked. Oh, as we're talking about this, we get Rory picks the bush light King himself tuning in tonight. Hey, Rory, good to see you tonight, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. But like my first like spring cleaning hack as we get in here is like, make it a freaking time beer up, crank them fucking tunes up. And reward yourself afterwards, whether that's getting a little pizza, that's, you know, smoking on something else, whatever you want to do, like reward yourself after this. But like, I enjoy just the process of pulling out the vehicles, getting underneath the truck in the car, getting them clean, that whole thing. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on uh, on spring cleaning here. Kyle, and, and any thoughts on what I had to share and or any uh, hacks that you would like to share with the audience as well tonight? Yeah, I think cleaning your cars is a great idea, um, especially over the winter. You just throw shit in the back seat, you know, like your trunk just gets covered in mud and snow and and gravel and salt. And yeah, by this time of the year, your car needs a good clean. That's a great point. Uh, my my in line with that, I would say uh, when you're cleaning in your house, one of the first things I want to do when I'm spring cleaning is open up those windows. Like you said, it's nice. Oh. Get a nice breeze going. Oh. But then you're going to notice these blinds are dusty as hell. You're going to want to dust your blinds. <laughs> I never dust my I don't know if I've ever dusted blinds my entire life, Kyle. That's very smart. Yeah, you have a cat now, so it's especially important. Appreciate that. Appreciate that looking out there. Nate, what about you, man? Out there in Colorado, I know it's it's starting to get a little bit nicer out there. You can get outside and you know maybe smoke on something as well. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying uh, you can do a lot of stuff outside right now. Uh, what do you get into? What spring cleaning packs can you offer? Well, I hate my yard, and it's still too cold. Grass isn't green yet. Trees aren't budding yet here. So we do a lot of inside stuff. And to Kyle's point, Seth, with a cat, they're going to ruin your blinds. Just be aware of that. We paid oh, yeah. like three grand for blinds to cover this house when we moved in and they're all stained to shit. So um, here are the biggest things I can tell you. If you're going through a spring clean, if your microwave is disgusting, 
take a little bowl of vinegar, just white distilled vinegar, microwave it for about 45 seconds in that microwave. And everything just kind of comes off with the paper towel. Super easy. And also the hardest part is just, just get started. Just do something. But with the kid, we have to clean all year. So there's no real spring cleaning. Let's be honest. This okay. house is a mess 24 seven. <laughs> okay. Scott okay. can attest. Scott, Scott, how do you feel about it? Uh, do you and the wife over there get involved with some s- spring cleaning? I know you guys got two younger girls running around causing chaos out there in the Rainier household as well. Um, yeah, n- we don't really have a spring cleaning event. We just kind of have to clean most of okay. Um, And it's actually, it, it's not as much the girls anymore now that they've gotten a little bit older. But I would say one way to be have your house be clean is to not get two golden retrievers we have two and they shed and we vacuum constantly either we vacuum constantly or there's just dog hair everywhere it's one of the two so some of my advice is a little i wouldn't necessarily call these like life hacks but one is if you can weather permitting mix up your inside and outside chores Uh, what i really like about this time of year is getting them back out in the yard for the first time in a while yes i don't really particularly enjoy doing yard work but it's just nice to be outside and have the blood running and not be sitting at this desk where i sit all winter um and don't put don't put too much pressure on yourself you know i mean maybe i'm getting older and more jaded but like it's it's just gonna (laughs) be dirty again like (laughs) you know you want to set goals or whatever to like clean but like don't there's enough things that we like tear ourselves down for in this world that, you know, not getting everything as clean as you'd like it. Um, And again, that's more just based on experience, like with two kids and full-time jobs and stuff, you know, sometimes we just have to let stuff not be clean for a little bit. Um, Speaking of blinds though, the, I would, I swear by these blinds, maybe we can get a sponsor. Look, check this out. Oh, oh. Jen's parents used to have those. They're they're the best. They don't, they, they don't, they're easy to clean. They don't really get dirty. Like they are, the best blinds I've ever had. They're, they're amazing. They just You just push up and pull down. That's it. We got HooveTube in the chat saying hard salt spots on the carpet. Use a razor to get out those. Okay, I like that hack. Roy's saying he just drinks lattes and it all comes together. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good advice there, bud. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with Rory. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'll round this out with, with one more I have here that I learned a couple years ago. And I'll be honest, boys, like, when you're a guy in your young 20s, like sometimes, you know, it might be the diet. It might be the bush lattes, as Rory's saying. It might be the Chipotle, whatever. Sometimes you just take massive dumps. And yeah. no matter. I thought that's where we were going. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, <laughs> no matter how much you try to clean that toilet bowl with your toilet bowl cleaner, you know, your scrub bush it just doesn't always come out. But there is a little bit of a hack I have tried and it does work. Take a little bit of Coca-Cola. Pour that down that bowl. Give it a couple seconds. Let it sit. It can be flat Coke, too. So if it's even Coke that goes bad in the fridge, put that in your toilet bowl. Give it a little scrub. I don't know what's in that shit. It's not cocaine like it was in the past days, but it's something that uh, those toilet bowls don't like, and it it cleans them right up for you. It's disheartening that that something that is really good at getting, like, toilet scum is – coca-cola that we drink through our mouths <laughs> yeah ab- absolutely kyle you ever uh you ever test this one out uh yeah not on a um toilet but on like a corroded part battery. of the battery, on, like, yes. a part of battery. oh okay <laughs> yes if your battery ports are corroded yeah. in your car pour some coke on them it'll yep. clear all that corrosion yeah. off and your car will start again 
And make sure to drink some of that Coke too when you're done. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys being here with me tonight. I appreciate the chat. Um, if you guys are new to the channel, please subscribe. We got so much fun stuff for you. We also have that Keyshawn Nixon helmet giveaway. Get in that as well. Look in the chat of this video. It will tell you how to get involved with that. We will be back next Tuesday with a lot more fun stuff. So uh, subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Until then, keep it in between.